Electromagnetic activity. Unexplained events. Random explosions. Aviation. Disappearance. Circumnavigation. What could these possibly mean together? Find out on this episode of Offbeat Oddities. Welcome to this episode of Offbeat Oddities, the show about weird stuff. I'm host Lamp, Eric. And I'm host Fan, Ryan. (laughs) And on this episode, we're going to talk about some weird stuff. Let's talk about it. So, my topic is about random things exploding. Pretty interesting. (laughs) Oh, here we go. So, this is called the Kinetto di Coronia Combustion. So, this is... You know, a set of a series of events that happened over about ten years, of just about a random, just random things, typically electrical, electrically involved, exploding. Okay, but we'll talk about it a little more. So, uh, the, these occurred during the early, mostly be- the early two thousands in Italy. It began on December twenty three, two thousand three, at Antonio Pazzino's home, where his TV reportedly exploded fun times (laughs) there were some similar malfunctions that happened that you know affected fuse boxes air conditioners kitchen appliances computers and electronic car door locks which i thought was an interesting one to point (laughs) out that's wild most of these things are high power draw items like like you know air conditioners and kitchen appliances but you know (laughs) electronic door car locks (laughs) yeah i was like catching fire uh, yes, catching fire and just in general, just making arcs of you know some kind of that that make you know clearly loud noises and disrupt okay. the area. <laughs> right, fun. This is all happening in in one small town too. It's not even really that big, which is the other weird part. So these fires were also said to engulf wedding presents and pieces of furniture. I know this is a wide variety of things that were exploding i you know i'm not really sure what these wedding presents were where was this happening sicily italy right this is this is all happening in sicily italy um at least one person said that he was watching an unplugged electrical cable ignite while he was directly observing it (laughs) oh my god now this guy i don't know how credible he is or if he was on any influence of anything (laughs) (laughs) but you know, if that were to happen, that would have been pretty wild. That yeah. would have been pretty incredible. I, lo- I love it. But uh, a few months later, two houses burned. You know, and, you know, around this time, I'm sure people are like, man, this is weird. Why are so many things exploding around where we're from? So, in response, the mayor issued an order to evacuate the 39 residents of Via Mare. From their homes to the town's only hotel. This is a small, small town. And shortly after, the Italian power utility cut the power to the town. Okay. Right? We thought this would, you know, solve the problem. Right. But the fire still continued. Even with no power to anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is from uh, 
January through March, 92 fires 92. were reported. That's like one a day <laughs> yeah, in a town with no power. Crazy. Yeah. What? So an investigation in February was launched, and the investigators reportedly witnessed malfunctions in compasses, electronic car locks, like we were saying, and cell phones. It's wild when compasses malfunction. There's something seriously going on oh, if a yeah. compass malfunctions. So in April, the government formed a research group to investigate as well. The team witnessed anomalous electromagnetic activity, which is, you know, like basically that would explain why the compasses yeah. were kind of going off because electricity making weird magnetic fields would clearly mess with all this. But De- Definitely. There is unexplained lights and a helicopter that experienced allegedly anomalous rotor damage. Huh. I- interesting, right? How did that happen? Well, I don't know. Soon after, scientists from the National Research Institute and NASA, NASA physicists were also involved in the investigation. Oh, so this was serious. Yeah. Well, it seemed like, you know, so many people are getting involved and. uh <laughs> In June, you know, the residents were returned to their homes. So, After you know, it, it, kind, it kind of, you know, seemed to die down, right? You know, six months later. Yikes. After, I'm sure, around 100 fires at this point. Wow. They, they made it back to their house. Um, the official statement that the local prosecutor made was that the activity was arson. But no people could be linked. There was no motive that could be found and there was also no method so there's <laughs> so i think this is really just uh just a hunk of crap <laughs> they clearly God. just didn't get what was going on and and i can't tell you that i do either because this is pretty weird <laughs> oh my gosh no suspects no motive no method of anything yeah sure it was arson <laughs> What? I thought that was an interesting way to put it after, you know, not being able to find really anything. So, yeah. you know, people came up with their own theories like always. Of course. And you'll never guess <laughs> what one of the explanations were. I think I have an idea. UFOs. Guess what? <laughs> guess what? They exist. I promise you they exist. They're real. Some other people thought uh, <laughs> there was some supernatural activity at hand. But, uh, you know, they seem to kind of die down, right? You know, all these fires seem to kind of die, die down. But 10 years later, <laughs> oh my gosh, the fires returned. However, Giuseppe Pizzino was arrested and charged with arson. <laughs> oh my gosh. Conspiracy to commit fraud and sounding a false alarm in association with the mysterious fires. He was caught, you know, through hidden cameras in the streets as well as phone taps, and his father, Antonio, was also involved in a few of them. So this was definitely he, arson, but... Oh, my gosh. And he was the first person to report a fire. Antonio was. Yeah. The father. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Hmm. So, you know, who knows? It might actually be arson, but... <laughs> I, st- <laughs> I still like the UFO theory a little better. How the heck... But... It, even if it was arson, this is this is what I, it kind of gets me. People ca- watch these things catch on fire. How could this person set up a like a to, time like to rig something up? Yeah, that and they didn't get caught for there's, months. There's no if way that would be the case. That's impossible. So how the heck would that even be possible? Or it's just UFOs. I think that's a better explanation. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> In, in a few episodes, uh, one of Eric's topics is going to be another form of 
combustion and i can't wait to get to that one as well both, both <laughs> yeah. of yeah and that's just as easily unexplained as this so randomly exploding anything seems to really <laughs> really be mind-boggling to most of the internet and me to be honest <laughs> that is awesome that'll end my topic when we come back we'll talk about ryan's topic stay tuned What was that noise? Do you hear that, Ryan? I think I, I did. Is that is that the pun of the week? I believe it was. Well, in that case, what did the buffalo say to his boy before sending him off to college? What, Eric? Bison. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. Sweet. Oh, man. All right. For our second half of today's topic, I'm going to discuss the most, one of probably the arguably the most famous disappearance in the world. This is the story of famed aviator Amelia Earhart. Before we get into it, though, I realized during our break that I forgot to mention our sponsor. So I'd just like to shout them out here real quick. Israeli Burger King. Have it Yahweh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's get into it here real quick. So Amelia Earhart, she is obviously one of the most famous uh, female aviators, actually probably the most famous female aviator of all time, one of the most famous missing persons cases of all time, and honestly just actually a really impressive human being in history. Had, had a lot of great accomplishments, has a lot of honors and medals and stuff like that. It's actually a really cool story. So when she was a kid, she actually wasn't really into flying until... When she was, I believe she was about 19, she attended a stunt flying exhibition and she and a friend were kind of in the middle of the field and noticed that somebody was flying a stunt plane above them and the stunt plane all of a sudden did like a nosedive down toward them and she kind of had this feeling like, this is really cool, I kind of want to like do that. (laughs) Which is actually, that's kind of neat, you know? Yeah. So on December 28th, 1920, Pilot Frank Hawks gave Amelia Earhart a ride that would forever change her life. And she said, quote, by the time we'd even gotten two or 300 feet off the ground, I knew that I had to fly. And that was kind of her first time flying with this guy named Frank Hawks, all that kind of stuff. So she was quite a um, outgoing personality, was very, very determined to be a pilot and to, to accomplish new feats that had never been done before with planes. So there's actually a pretty cool website. It's just called AmeliaEarhart.com. It has a biography, has some achievements of hers, has some quotes, photos, a whole bunch of cool stuff. Uh, One of the quotes from the website is, defying conventional feminine behavior, a young Amelia Earhart climbed trees, belly slammed her sled to start it downhill, and hunted rats with a 22 rifle. This is the type of person that she was. Tom boy. Come on now. Big time. Yes. She would keep newspaper clippings about successful women in predominantly male-oriented fields, uh, including film direction, production, law, a whole bunch of stuff like that. So she was very, very driven, you can tell. Uh, One afternoon in April 1928, this is another quote from the website, a phone call came for Amelia Earhart at work. I'm too busy to answer just now, she said. After hearing that it was important, Amelia relented, though she thought it was a prank. It wasn't until the caller supplied excellent references that she realized the man was serious. Quote, how would you like to be the first woman to fly across the Atlantic? The man asked. And of course, Amelia Earhart couldn't say no to that. So that was one of her first big feats is that she flew solo across the entire Atlantic Ocean. And I think that's what most people probably remember her as. That's what, isn't that? Yeah, that's like one of her big famous achievements for sure. 
on May 20th, 1932, she took off from Harbor Grace, Newfoundland, and successfully flew across to Paris. No, she did not make it quite to Paris, but she did make it to Ireland. So technically it was, she did get across, but eventually she did make a full transatlantic flight and um, along with some other serious flights. So her final sort of ambition was to circumnavigate the entire globe. Now at this time, actually even I think nowadays, it's next to impossible to actually get the whole way around without stopping quite a few times for gas, all that kind of stuff. So she and her friend and navigator, Fred Noonan, devised a plan for her to leave from Miami and fly across the Atlantic to Europe, across to Asia, and then finally their last leg will be across the Pacific, back to California, and then another trip across the US back to Miami. That was kind of their plan. So she made it all the way across the Atlantic, all the way across Europe, all the way across Asia. Her second to last leg was supposed to be from, I think it's Leigh to Howland Island, and then from Howland Island back to the US. However, this leg from Ley to Howland was kind of the most difficult because it was almost all water. The islands are really small. The island she was supposed to get to is pretty small. So it's just going to be, it was a tough leg of, of the journey. And keep in mind, this is also in the 1930s or 40s. So there was not that sort of, um, mm-hmm. there wasn't that sort of technology to sort of aid her and that kind of stuff. It was a lot of sort of natural talent and guesswork at this time. On July 2nd, 1937, at 10 a.m. local time in Ley, Amelia Earhart and Fred Newton took off from Leigh on their way to Halland. So apparently the weather was projected to be fair. However, as she got even just a couple miles off the ground, it started to get kind of cloudy. It was kind of unexpected. She had to go through rainstorms. She was able to radio through to people, but there was issues with the transmissions. And as she got closer to Halland Island, they were supposedly only a couple minutes away. The last thing that they heard from her was, we can't find the island. We're running north and south. And that was the last transmission ever heard from her. She never arrived on Howland mm. Island. So a rescue attempt commenced. However, there was nothing ever found. There was no wreckage of any plane. There was no reason to think that people made, like that she had made it somewhere that nobody knew. There was just nothing. That was the last thing anyone ever heard from her. So here's where the theories come in for how she disappeared. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article now about the last leg of her, her journey. And the, the stretch was from Leigh to Howland, and then there's supposed to be a stretch from Howland to Honolulu. However, this Howland Island is quite small. It's surrounded by other small islands, which uh, will be part of one of the theories here in a second. The first thought here is the crash and sink theory, of course, that she didn't mm-hmm. make it to the island, there wasn't enough gas left in her plane, that she just didn't make it, couldn't find it, and had to crash land, that was just the end. Of course, you're not going to survive a plane crash in the Pacific Ocean. However, there was no wreckage ever found, there was no evidence of anything like this, so... There, the assumption is there, but there's just been no proof at all. There's another nearby island called, the, called Gardner Island, and there is a hypothesis that maybe she landed there instead, because at the time it was uninhabited. It's pretty close to the country, or the, the island Kiribati, so it's possible she made it there, but like I said, this island is uninhabited. It's, it would have been very, very tough to land a plane on to begin with because it's not flat. It has water on it. And there's not very many resources to get anywhere right. after that too. Right. So, so if she did, that was also going to be the end. Her and Fred Newton would have had to been stuck there and there was just no way. So that was also a hypothesis. However, people have been there since, but they have never found any remains. Hmm. Okay. The next one, the next theory, is that she was captured by Japanese pilots. Keep in mind, this was 1937, so this was only two years before the start of World War II. There were tensions between countries. There was tension between the United States and Japan. 
So the thought is that she was flying just south of Japan, not just south, but, but close enough that this was possibly a theory that she had been captured by Japanese pilots somehow, that they had maybe forced yeah. her to land somewhere, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of interesting. Uh, and then you get to some crazy ones. <laughs> I'm just going to, no, never mind. You yeah. already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, there's a thought that, that the plane was taken by a UFO. There's also the theory that she was actually secretly a spy for FDR and she turned flight and did not have any intention of going to Howland Island. Instead, had intention of going to Japan to be a spy. Yeah, how about that? Interesting. <laughs> oh, yes. FDR spy. Oh, yes. Okay. okay. And this is my personal favorite. This is labeled as she assumed another identity. <laughs> In she no- to disappear. Okay. Yes. In November 2006, the National Geographic Channel aired an episode of Undiscovered History that concer- that was around the claim that Amelia Earhart survived the world flight, moved to New Jersey, changed her name, remarried, and became Irene Bolam. Who knows? I don't know. This is just totally weird, but it is what it is. This has just never been Somebody proven. Somebody knows too much. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on here, but yeah, it is what it is. Nobody really knows what happened to her. Of course, there's theories. I, I, to me, the most likely explanation is that she crashed because that would be the hardest to prove, but it's also probably the most yeah. likely. Well, I mean, this is like kind of how we were talking about Malaysia Airlines, Flight 370. Like, I right. mean, you, you can't really have planes disappear nowadays, but still, I, it, it proves to say, like, if these are connected and have the same outcome, it just shows you how hard it is to really prove that they didn't just crash in the middle of the ocean and sink to the bottom that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, you exactly. I mean? Well, regardless, if you ever get a chance to, read a bunch about Amelia Hart. She was a very impressive person. Looking at all her honors, her accomplishments, her feats, all that kind of stuff, it was really impressive. And it's mm-hmm. kind of sad that that she is now a missing person, that she passed away or, or whatever happened in this manner. So it would have been pretty cool. But yeah, she got close. She definitely did. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to our eighth episode of Offbeat Oddities. We will be back soon with some guest stars. So stick around. And just like that, Stay weird.